Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm the founder at the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding in Conflict. And I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And I'm excited to welcome Rayford Palmer to the show today. Rayford is an experienced Illinois attorney, and he concentrates in family law with a focus on complex divorce cases, especially those involving business owners and high-income earners. His work includes divorce, collaborative divorce, mediation, child custody, and post-divorce matters, and premarital and postmarital agreements. Rayford is the managing shareholder of STG Divorce Law, a premier divorce law firm located in the Chicagoland area, and he's also the author of I Just Want This Done, How Smart, Successful People Get Divorced Without Losing Their Kids, Money, and Minds. You can learn about this book at the website with the same name. I just want this divorce done dot com. Welcome, Rayford Palmer, to the show. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on the show. What was it that led you to write the book, I Just Want This Done? It was a frustration with the system and the way that things are being done in the divorce world and a feeling that there was a lack of resources out there for people looking for a roadmap for divorce who wanted to find a better way. Because I think in my experience that that's just really, you know, what people say, right? They get into it, you know, they have heads of steam, they're (laughs) angry, they're hurt, they're betrayed, and then it drags on and on and on. And sometimes they say, I mean, I just had a client say to me yesterday, I just want this done. And even though I say, listen, we could get it done, but it's going to mean making concessions that you're not going to be happy with me a year or two from now. (laughs) when you make them. So what do you say to those right. people? Well, it's it's all about knowing your goals and your concerns at the outset and making sure that your expectations are realistic and understanding, as you point out, what those trade-offs are. So as you say, sure, we can get this done now, but X and Y are going to be the things that are probably are concessions you're going to give, or there will be expenses you're going to have to incur to get the result you want. I just want people to know, you know, have a cost-benefit analysis in mind and try their best to take emotion out of the equation. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to do that, though, isn't it, in your experience? it's, it's yes. I mean, for one thing, studies show that, that we make decisions in the emotional part of our brains, so it's really, it's a matter of not overly emoting around the decisions, but um, you have to consider that they're really going to be emotional decisions. So, you know, maybe that's a good segue to some of the common myths that people have around divorce and divorce court. What do you think some of those are? There are many, as I mentioned in the book, and these lead people to make mistakes in in deciding what to do in their divorce cases. And one of the big ones is that court is really the only way or, or the best way to resolve a divorce case and this notion that they're going to win. In my experience, people 
really lose in varying degrees. Sometimes there's what someone may call a win, but this is usually, you know, divorce cases usually are decided in shades of gray rather than a, a win or loss, as you know. And I think people spend a lot of money in grief trying to get what they think will be a win. And then they're ultimately disappointed at the end when they don't get the glorious day of vindication. They don't get the giant win that they sort of thought they may get. And they've instead grounded up a lot of money and grief and energy in getting from A to B and didn't get the result they sort of hoped they'd get. This idea that there's going to be this, you know, movie style conclusion to their divorce where the bad spouse gets punished, the good spouse gets a halo. People are going to be sorely disappointed if that's what they think it's going to be like. There are several others, like the concept that they'll have justice in the court process, that the court will know all the details, that they'll get a chance to say everything and the judge will understand and sympathize and decide against their spouse, for example. So th those are just a couple that come to mind right away. So I think you're saying, Rayford Palmer, a number of really important things. And if I'm understanding you properly, and this is my experience too, that, that there are no winners in divorce court. There's just right. different shades of losing. <laughs> and I mean, and it's right. not just losing because you're not going to get what you're arguing for, because you might get some, but likely not all of what you're arguing for. But it's that the process itself, you know, at least in the experience of my clients and myself, the process itself, it's so disorienting, expensive, emotionally exhausting, and hijacking that even yeah. if you did win, which is unlikely, you know, that there's going to be a complete <laughs> watershed win for one person, yeah. one side versus the other, it, it might not be, it would be a kind of a Pyrrhic victory. It wouldn't really be worth it, maybe even. What do you think? Absolutely. That's, that's really the point, that the, the battle wasn't worth it ultimately based on the outcome. And, you know, people have notions of that they'll get something great at the end when, you know, you and I know from our experience and from what our clients have dealt with, that it, it never is going to meet that expectation. And if it falls short of all the expense, the emotional energy drain on their career and that, then they're going to feel potentially misled or somehow cheated. And that's why I just think an important defining the expectations making sure they're realistic, understanding the costs to get from A to B to the goals that the people think folks want to achieve is so important so that they don't spend $200,000 to solve a $100,000 problem. Right. I just said that to somebody yesterday. I was like, you don't want to spend $2,000 to get five more bucks, right? It's just not worth yeah. it. And obviously that's overstating it. Nobody would do that. But I think people get really fixed on being right, right? I am so right about that. Right. But is it really okay. worth it? Would you rather be happy or right? <laughs> right? That, that is a great saying. In fact, that's a quote I open in the book. You can be right or you can be happy. And that's a thing I find myself saying to my clients very often. Is it worth it? And and that's more than just the dollars, but the emotional energy, impact on your children, impact on your family and friends, and time added to the process. So you're right. There's so many costs here. And I'm just hoping, I'm pointing out in the book, that there are those costs, that this is the reality. And I don't want people to go through this with rose-colored glasses. 
Yeah, you know, I just want to comment on something you just said, like that you say that to your clients, right? You know, do you want to spend the money to go, you know, after this this right? And it brings up for me really the role of the divorce lawyer, right? So, of course, we're advocates, right? We're advocates for our clients, but not necessarily for everything, right? An advocate for my client's happiness is what I think of it more than just necessarily just the legal case. Because of course we could take their money and spend it and be the, you know, champion and go to battle and pay me $200,000 to get you a $100,000 result. Exactly. You know, I could take that view. And I think sometimes people think, well, lawyers are just, they're out there to win. They're out there, you know, and that's just not really true of most of us. What do you think about that? I agree 100%. A lawyer really should not be your cheerleader. A lawyer should be your, as you say, your advocate, but also they should tell you the the truth in terms of what they really believe in their professional opinion with regard to things that are going on in your case. And that should be as objective an analysis as possible. Your parents, your family and friends, they should be your cheerleaders. They'll be in your corner no matter what. But a good divorce lawyer provides their client a sober analysis of the pros and cons, the potential range of outcomes, and the costs. And like you say, that's going to provide, at the end, a much more satisfied client who feels in control of the situation rather than somebody who feels like they were sold a bill of goods. They feel good in the short term, right, when the lawyer is telling them what they want to hear. That feels great. At the end, they get stuck with a large bill potentially and the outcome isn't what they hoped for, they feel like they were taken advantage of, and that's just a very bad outcome. I'd rather be like a doctor than a cheerleader. So I'd rather give people a sober analysis, give them the tools to make the right decisions, and know at the end I'm giving them my best advice rather than just cheering them on through, like you said, $200,000 of litigation. I'm Catherine Miller. You're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30, and we're also available as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm talking today with Rayford Palmer about getting your divorce done and things to consider before you file for divorce. And one thing we were talking about is justice. And, you know, I actually am fond of saying, and because it's true, that I went to law school because I was interested in justice and learned in the orientation week that that's not what law the law is about. And I think that happens all the time, you know, in divorces. It's just like, you know, there's a, such a long history with the couple and it goes back to when they met on their first date. And I always say that you can usually see the reason for the divorce on the first date, you know, with the 2020 hindsight that showed up then uh, what the problem was going to be. So when you say that it's a mistake to think about divorce, a divorce court as a place where you're going to get justice and that's separate from apart from winning. How do you, Rayford Palmer, think about justice and divorce? That's a great question. What I really mean by that is this idea of fairness, because divorce won't feel fair or just probably to either of the people in the divorce. Both people feel like, as we talked about before, both people feel like they're losing. Neither person's going to feel really good at the end of it. They're both going to have a sense of loss and to some degree or to more or less of a degree. So the court isn't choosing winners or losers necessarily. The court is allocating assets, solving some math problems with respect to support, 
for children and spouses and dealing with custody and visitation. And most of those issues, other than the child-related issues, are pretty dry and not very exciting to deal with, but they're done in a pretty routine manner in the trial court. And really what, what we're talking about with respect to justice, the court is really built as a binary system, as a win-loss, guilty, not guilty system, and is very ill-equipped to deal with the shades of gray that are so often that we so often see in divorce cases, as you've said and experienced. So that's what I mean by the lack of justice is not that the judges are biased or that they're unfair. The result won't really feel good for either person most often. And nobody will feel like it was fair at the end. That's not really typical. You know, the old line about a good settlement is that both people feel like it's that don't feel good about it. Yeah. Probably more often than not the truth and trial results too. Yeah, I think that's true. Well, what do you think people really think about divorce? You know, what, when they're facing it and how are they misinformed about it? They think, for example, that they'll get a chance to be heard by the judge, that they'll be able to sort of speak at, at length about the mistakes or problems the other spouse has, the, maybe they cheated on them or whatever, and be able to have this expose about all their misbehavior and that that will affect the outcome of the case. And certainly in, in our state, we don't have any fault anymore for divorce. It's just irreconcilable differences. So 90% of the stuff that bothers people in a marriage is inadmissible in evidence at trial. So people that think there's going to be this big you know, discussion and they're going to tell the judge all the bad stuff and the judge will punish the other spouse, they're always going to be sorely disappointed. And, and that's really what I mean by that is the rules don't allow this sort of cosmic justice that people sort of innately want or think they might get. Instead, it's going to be dollars and cents and joint custody or sole custody and then and then a parenting schedule. Yeah. You know, that's true in New York too. And I also, I think that it's, it's interesting uh, because a lot of the things, until fairly recently, shockingly recently, New York was a false state. And, and, and so people thought, okay, this, this matters. Well, yeah, it gives you the right to get divorced, but it has no impact on the financial settlement, which is mostly what the divorce is going to be about. I mean, what would they do? They don't say, oh, wow, he said that to you, an extra $50,000. No, that doesn't happen, right? He had an affair, you know, oh, that's an extra $100,000 or whatever the numbers are. I mean, that's just not there. I mean, in New York, we have, Basically, it has to shock the conscience of the court. And even then, there are shocking things that courts have been like, oh, yeah, that's too bad. They shouldn't have done that. But, you know, next, I mean, no financial ramifications whatsoever, which is really, I think, upsetting for people because, as you say, the court was not meant, the idea of the justice system that we have in this country was not set up to deal with family issues. It just wasn't. And it doesn't. And and I I would be really curious to see how someone would want to, I mean, it would be really scary if there was financial punishment for things people think of as being wrong. I mean, it's just so complicated. You would probably quadruple the length of a trial if it was um, time to air everyone's dirty laundry. And (laughs) so you're absolutely right. We've got, I had a client bring in a stack of emails probably a year and a half ago, you know, illustrating someone's affair and said, I want to have a detective follow this person. And 
prove that they're having an affair. And I said, you're, you're wasting your time and money. And, you know, you're just going to confirm what you already know. And the person was shocked. And I said, that stuff might matter in, on TV shows or in movies, but the court doesn't care at all that this is just a reason for you to get divorced. And, you know, you're, you're right about it's same in Illinois. It was a reason to get divorced up until a few years ago and, and recently taken out. So we don't have cause anymore. Now it's just irreconcilable differences. But even when it was a cause, as you say, it didn't impact the financial outcome. Right. And that's, I think, very disappointing for people who feel like they deserve, they deserve some payback. So sure. what do you think the correct mindset people should have when they're facing divorce? The best mindset, in my opinion, is to have a business-like approach, more of a business mindset where you're weighing a cost-benefit analysis between what you want to achieve with your goals, the cost it will take to get there, and a realistic assessment of how much time and energy it'll take to get there. Also, a realistic idea of whether your goals are achievable. Do your best to analyze these things without with taking emotion as much out of as you as you possibly can. And you're right, it's hard to do that. But using outside experts, a good divorce lawyer, a divorce coach, perhaps a financial planner or advisor to work through these scenarios with you can help you objectively, or at least as objectively as possible, make this analysis. So if someone is is facing divorce and listening to this show and and they're thinking, wow, you know, that sounds really simple, but who's going to coordinate that? How am I going to find that? How is a lawyer going to work with the coach and the financial planner? How do you do that? Do you work with the coach to support the client? What does the coach do uh, that helps you as a lawyer do your job? So we typically will recommend divorce coaches to folks, not just in collaborative cases or in mediation, but also in litigated cases. And we've got a list of people that we find are excellent at what they do. The coach helps with the emotional and communication side of the divorce case. You know, as lawyers, we're trained really in the legal aspect of things. It's great to have an ally who's trained in psychology and counseling to deal with the communication issues that come up in divorce and also things such as interpersonal relationship issues between the spouses, the person dealing with the coach and the children, even the lawyer and client. I find coaches very valuable in uh, these types of situations to help clients understand better what their feelings are and what their children are dealing with and the way that their spouse is approaching things. Because so much of what is upsetting people or also important to people in divorce are things that lawyers can't do anything about. So a lot of the things that clients call us about are things that we can't file a motion to address, or or certainly the court wouldn't grant any relief if we asked for it. Yeah. I often say to clients that when divorces are complicated, it's usually the feelings and not the financials. Occasionally, you know, occasionally it's complicated financials and I don't want to discount that, but, but the feelings make it really difficult and sorting that out is really, I think, one of the first things you have to do if you're going to get a good result because a good result ultimately lasting wise is going to be based on the finances and the parenting and not on the feelings. Yes. I'm Catherine Miller, and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues here on WVOX 1460 AM every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30, and also available as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as the podcast website, divorcedialogues.com. And I'm speaking today with Rayford Dalton Palmer, who is the author of I Just Want This Done, 
and is a divorce lawyer based in the Chicagoland area. And Rayford Palmer, if people are interested in learning more about you or your book, how can they do that? The easiest thing to do is just go right to the book website, IJustWantThisDone.com. The book's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and uh, it's easy to find me just by Googling my name, Rayford Palmer, R-A-I-F-O-R-D-P-A-L-M-E-R. That's great. So you mentioned before working with divorce coaches, not only in collaborative law and mediation, but also in litigation. So let's talk a little bit about these different approaches to divorce, how you see them, pros and cons, and and how people can make a a decision as to which would be best for their situation. Sure. We'll start with litigation. Of course, litigation is a traditional court process with the judge, no jury, at least in our state, and I believe in New York's the same. And In that process, you're going to have two lawyers and a judge deciding the case. Ultimately, 95% of cases, divorce cases, settle nationwide. So ultimately, most cases will settle, even if they're in litigation. Uh, It is, to my mind, the least efficient process and most expensive. However, sometimes it's absolutely necessary. When there is a complete disagreement about facts or a complete disagreement about outcomes, such as you know, whether it's an alimony case or not an alimony case or the value of a business, for example, there may be no choice but to have a trial and have a judge decide. I think many cases can and should settle without trial and without need for litigation. So I'm a big advocate for collaborative practice, which is the use of two attorneys trained in collaborative practice methods, which is to me sort of a fusion of mediation and traditional negotiation. And uh, we have a series of really business-like meetings, typically about one every four weeks. And we don't file a court case typically until everything is done and an agreement is signed. Uh, Typically, that process is much more efficient in terms of time and money. The people tend to feel much more like they're in control of the process because they really are driving the process rather than the court, and the court's not deciding an outcome. So I, I find for a large number of people, it's a great process. It's not for everyone, obviously, but I find it to be very useful for a substantial number of people. And then mediation its a process by which the two parties can resolve an issue or discuss and negotiate an issue with the help of a neutral mediator, usually a divorce lawyer in divorce cases, not always. Those people are have mediation training and usually substantial experience in the divorce world. And they help the people sort of get together and play nice in the sandbox and have a series of ground rules so people are negotiating respectfully. The one pro of that is typically shorter in time and money, less expensive. The one con is that the mediator can't give legal advice and can't tell somebody if what they're talking about is a good deal or a bad deal. So I recommend people get counsel, get attorneys, even if they have a mediation process, so they know their rights and responsibilities and they understand what's realistic to expect and what their goals should be when they enter into a mediation. And how should does, does people make a selection? Well I, mean, those three? I think I think it does. I think it lays it out. But it's, imagine there's a listener out there thinking, well, wow, shorter and cheaper sounds good, but I'm not sure. <laughs> how does somebody think about that? I mean, what does it require and what does it take to be able to mediate? You, you are really clear about why, when somebody needs to litigate but how can you tell collaboration versus mediation? Uh, to me, mediation works for simpler issues. If, for example, if the thing that's in dispute is parenting and maybe not financial, 
that's a pretty good issue to mediate because folks generally know what they want to do with their children's schedules. It isn't really a law-heavy issue. It's more of a personal preference issue about raising children. I do think that with respect to mediation and collaborative, to know what's right for you is is to know that the people are already functioning at a fairly high level. If people are getting along pretty well, but they just want to get divorced, then that's probably a case that's uh, going to be successful in mediation or collaborative. If people are, if there's a lot of deceit, abuse, uh, things of that nature, those are really not, in my opinion, those are not good cases for mediation or collaborative. Uh, you're really, in my opinion, setting yourself up to fail if you're in that type of circumstance. A lot of people just want to get divorced. They're not fighting very much or they, they don't fight anymore and they're ready to communicate, and they both want to get it done. And that's when collaborative can work really well in mediation. All right, in our last 40 seconds or so, Rayford Palmer, what are some, what's, what's your advice, your best short advice for somebody thinking about divorce right now? Talk to professionals before you make a move. Talk to a qualified divorce lawyer in your area. There's nothing wrong with talking to a counselor or coach to make sure it's the right thing for you and research and get books on the topic. Uh, educate yourself. All right. I think that's great advice. Rayford Palmer, author of I Just Want This Done. Thank you so much for being our guest on Divorce Dialogues. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> 